thankful to our God that we um, we can still worship. And isn't that wonderful? We can still worship. Wonder, I love looking in the book of Acts. I may write on this, but, um, you know, where they worship, they worshiped in their homes. And so uh, today we are uh, worshiping together in different locations, but because of the grace of God, we are united uh, in his uh, in his blessings and through his blessings and because of his gift of love. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us and for keeping us and for strengthening us. For your name is majestic and wonderful and great. And Lord God, we can never thank you enough. Even our words that we echo to you is the best that we can. But Lord God, you are so much greater and so much more worthy than the words that we can utter from our minds, that we can think of. But thank you for today, for this opportunity to worship you. We pray, Lord God, for your blessings upon us as we worship, that our minds will be focused on your word, your will, and your way, and that we may grow, and that something from your word may be brought forth to us that will increase our faith. For you have said that your word never goes out without accomplishing what you desire. We pray that your desire, that your will is accomplished in our lives this day. In Jesus' name, we thank you and pray for be your will. Amen. Part two of hope. Uh, hope for a brighter future. Without hope, you know, bad news is overwhelming and uh, overbearing and overpowering in our lives. But true, undeniable uh, hope can only be found in the Lord. And that hope is alive in the children of God. And that hope keeps us praying even to the last hour. Uh, remember as children... The nursery rhymes that we at one time read and, and sung. Uh, and they were designed to establish hope within us, right? And that's why we learn some of those songs. We learn stories to increase our self-esteem, uh, to encourage us to believe, not necessarily in God, but to believe in ourselves. Um, for example, the little engine that could, you know. He was chug, 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 you know, chugging along and, and to get to the top of the hill and True, true. And, you know, he was, he made it, right? The point was, you believe in yourself and, and, and you can make it. And then we have the, uh, the account of the three little pigs, you know, about perseverance and, and how there's a, a, a better hope, if you will, uh, in the future. Uh, hope is so important that some of humanity have made idol gods. Turn to Psalm 118, please. Actually, 115, excuse me. They have made idol gods, and they trust in those gods to bring them hope. They trust in those gods to bring them relief, to save them. But they made the God, which is really amazing, right? They made the God that they are trusting in, which automatically tells you you're greater than the thing which you... Anyway, that's a whole other issue. Psalm 115, let's begin at verse 1. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to thy name give glory. Because of thy loving kindness, because of thy truth, why should the nations say, where now is their God? But our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of man's hands, they have moths, excuse me, they have mouths, 
but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. They have noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but they cannot feel. They have feet, but they cannot walk. They cannot make a sound with their throat. Those who make them will become like them. Everyone who trusts in them. The point is, you have this God that you made with, and, and it does nothing. But for some reason, somehow, people have taken their hopeless situation and put all their trust into this idol God and they believe. And brethren, in, in no way are we saying, uh, through the scriptures, to hope in someone or something that doesn't exist. We're asking you to hope in God, the living God. Turn, please, if you will, to Jeremiah chapter 32. As for the children of God, we have hope. And and we know that God can turn hopeless situations into wonderful, beautiful. Remember last time, uh, ones, Job, uh, we looked at Job and how, how beautiful that account turned out when you read the book of Job. And, and even in our lives, as we talk about our own personal experiences, how beautiful our lives have turned out because of our hope and our trust in God. And I know one thing. I know that I cannot change the situation before me. I'll do all that I can, but I'm relying on trusting in God to do what he knows how to do. In Jeremiah 32 and verse 16, the Bible says, After I had given the deed of the purchase to Barak, the son of Neriah, then I prayed to the Lord, saying, Ah, Lord, God, behold, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power and by thine outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for thee. Jeremiah, in the midst of a catastrophic moment, if you will, where the Babylonians had come through and just devastated the lands and burned down the temple. It was just a a terrible situation that was coming. And Jeremiah, as he buys this uh, piece of property and this deed through Barak, this whole event is, is about trusting in God. And he says, I know God. I know that nothing is too difficult for you. And then down, if you will, in verse 26, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, here's what God says. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too difficult for me? Turn to Matthew 19, please. Here God is asking the question, is there, have you found one thing that is too difficult for me? And here we, sometimes as Christians, we are running uh, fearful or, or afraid of this situation. Is there anything too difficult for God? Is it too difficult for God to stop this pandemic immediately? No, it's not. But in his time, in his time, and we trust. Matthew 19 and verse 23, the Bible says, And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Of God, And when the disciples heard this, they were very astonished and said, Then who can be saved? And looking upon them, Jesus said to them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Let's talk about, just, just for a moment, right? just, just a, a side note, the idea of fear. Right? You know, I know that fear is natural, isn't it? 
I mean, God put it in us for a reason so that we could protect ourselves, fear of danger. And I understand sometimes that we become afraid as God's people. And what I'm saying to you is not to fight the natural uh, feeling, if you will, that uh, is within us, but rather to transfer that fear, translate that fear into hope, into confidence in God, to know that, yeah, it's very true that we may get sick. And if it's God's will, we will live through it, or if it's God's will, we will not. But we have to translate that fear into confidence and faith and trust in our God. That hope that we have, though, is what keeps us strong and keeps us alive. The Apostle Paul, he's put on trial for preaching. Acts 26, please. And, and, he's, and in this, uh, this moment, there's this message that he preaches. And I want you to listen to the message of Paul as he stands before the powers to be about why he's on trial. Verse 1, Acts 26. And Agrippa said to Paul, you are permitted to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and proceeded to make his defense. In regard to all the things of which I am accused by the Jews, I consider myself fortunate, King Agrippa, that I'm about to make a defense before you today, especially because you are an expert in all customs and questions among the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. So then, all the Jews know my manner of life from my youth up, which from the beginning was spent among my own nation and at Jerusalem. Since they have known about me for a long time previously, if they are willing to testify that I lived as a Pharisee according to the strictest sect of our religion, and now I am standing trial for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. And he is able to see the, the blessing of the hope fulfilled. Because that's why he was on trial, for the hope that God made to his people. Acts 23. Acts chapter 23. The fulfilled hope. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. A fulfilled hope. That's why Paul was on trial. Jesus, the great king, our God, has come and lived and died that we might be saved. Verse 1 of Acts 23. And Paul Looking intently at the council said, Brethren, I have lived my life with a perfectly good conscience before God up to this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded those standing beside him to strike him in the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. And do you sit to try me according to the law? And in violation of the law, order me to be struck? But the bystanders said, Do you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I was not aware, brethren, that he was a high priest, for it is written, you shall not speak evil of the rule of your people. But perceiving that one part were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, Paul began crying out to the council, brethren, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. I am on trial for the hope and the resurrection of the dead. Hope. Hope. Yeah, and the hope of a resurrection for the great beauty and the great eternal plan of our God. And then verse 7 goes on. And as he said this, there arose a dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say that there is no resurrection, nor any angel, nor a spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledge 
them all. I love when I first learned a long time ago, they'd say the Sadducees were sad, you see. Right? They didn't believe in anything, right? They had no hope. When you have no hope, you're sad, depressed, struggling. First Peter chapter 3, please. But we have this hope in our God. Is a resurrection possible? We'll come back to that in just a moment. God can make the hopeless hopeful. He will bless and strengthen the feeble knees. God can transform our discouragement into hope, our depression into joy and our spiritual compromise. God will can wield and can renew it, cause us to be committed to him as he renews our spirit. But do you have an answer for people when they ask you for the hope that lies within you? When people are asking you, as we talked last week about uh, having that smile on our face and being happy even in a pandemic, because we have the power of prayer, because we have and serve the one true God, do you know how to answer people who give you or ask you questions? Or even give challenges to you. In verse 15 of 1 Peter chapter 3, the Bible says, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Set him apart, right? As Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. And so we give people an account. We will tell them forever. We know it's not the end because we know how the end is going to come. We have hope and confidence in our God. Is there anything too great for our God? Is there anything too difficult for our God? We have hope, a precious hope, a blessed hope. And we have a God who will make all things possible. But here's the thing. God's people have lived in situations that felt, seemed hopeless. And one of the blessings that we have is we kind of get to step back and look at the whole picture. Right, we can look back at from the beginning of time up until uh, to, until today, and we don't know what's going to happen in the future. But we have this blessed gift to be able to look back at the hopeless situation of Israel, and then watch God in triumphant fashion come through and bless them, and care for them, and comfort them, and rescue them. Let's take a look back at how they felt in their difficult situations because of their rebellious hearts. Ezekiel chapter 37, I'd like to look at verse 11, please. There it says, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We are completely cut off. So this is what they said, right? God is telling telling Ezekiel, this is how they feel. They're saying that our bones are dried up, our hope is gone, we are cut off. They were saying, if you will, in their own hearts, that we, we're not going to win this. So their state of spirituality was uh, a state of stagnation, if you will. Uh, they were in a, a time of despair. They felt emotionally and spiritually dry. And they doubted that anything would or could be done by God, our bones are dry. We don't have hope. Have you ever been at a point in your life where you just could not see a way out? You just couldn't see it. Couldn't see, someone said, the forest through the trees. You just couldn't see 
a way out. At which point in your life, if it happened, did you put your confidence in God and then later realize the blessing of God as he brought you through? I don't know that we always recognize when God brings us through things. You know, it's like it's like when this pandemic is over, you know, we're going to give all credit to medical science. Don't do that. Let's give credit to God who gave the wisdom to medical science to help us with this cure, right? Let's always give all praise, honor, and glory to our God. So it it was as if Israel, at at this moment, as if they were dead, and and, and that any any new hope, any spiritual vitality, any there's just no way, there was nothing that could be done. So God gave us the account of the valley of dry bones. I'm going to start reading that, beginning at verse 1, Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he caused me to pass among them around about. And behold, and there was very many on the surface of the valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you that you may come to life. And I will put sinews on you and make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin and breathe in you that you may come alive, and you will know that I am the Lord. What? What? (laughs) Wait a minute. There's a valley of dry, very dry, the text says, bones. There's no life in them. There's There's no way possible that these bones can be revived. Well, see, that's how Israel felt. They were saying there's no way possible that we can be revived or rescued from Babylon, for the Babylonian Empire that's going to come down and destroy us and from our our situation that we're in. There's just no way. There is no hope. But God says, preacher, you go over there and preach to those bones and watch what happens. Verse 7, the Bible says, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a rattling and the bones came together, bone to his bones. So you can imagine that, right? Those bones are just scattered. And then all of a sudden, the bones begin to form, right, into this human. Now, th- praise God for Ezekiel. Would you have stood there, continued preaching, or would you run? <laughs> That's scary, isn't it? Right? So bone to bone comes together. Verse 8. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them, and flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. So they still lie prostrate, if you will, on the ground. In verse 10, or verse 9 rather, then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain. And they came to life. So he says, I prophesy, as he commanded me, and the breath came into them. And they came to life and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. 
So God's talking to Ezekiel and saying, this is what's going to happen. They're going to come to life. They came to life. And they were an army of God's people that could destroy Babylon so if God so chose. Can these bones live? Can the coronavirus be healed? Can it? And not even just this, you know, over, over time, over history, we can look back at history and you find all the, the, the you know, the germs and the viruses of, of Egypt and you find all the deadly diseases that came through history and yet God has given us an answer every time. Even most recently, you know, talking about the swine flu and then, you know, Ebola, et cetera, et cetera, these great viruses and diseases and now the coronavirus. And yet the question that I ask you is, can God remove this disease? This virus. <laughs> of course. Can these dry bones live? They got up. They lived. They came to life. Let's keep reading. Verse 11, if you will. The Bible says, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We are completely cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves. My people and I will bring you into the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord. When I have opened your graves and caused you to come up out of your graves, my people, and I will put my spirit within you and you will come to life and I will place you on your own land. Then you will know that I am. The Lord has spoken and have done it, declares the Lord. Amen. Let's look beyond for just a moment. Let's look beyond our, our, our current situation. Please turn to First Peter chapter 1. Let's look to the thing that gives us the most hope. Can God resurrect the dead? Will there be a resurrection? Yeah. Will there be? Is it possible? First Peter 1 in verse 20, the Bible says, For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Did anyone see that coming? That Jesus Christ would die, be buried, and rise on the third day? Can these bones live? Does God have an answer to our dilemma? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Yes, he does. He's proven it to us time and time and time again. And all that we have to do is trust. Trust. Hope. Believe. Believe. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 50, the mystery of the resurrection of God. The Bible says, Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, and the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall all be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. 
But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Can God cause a resurrection? First Thessalonians, please, chapter 4. Can these bones live? Will we be saved? Will this come to an end? Of course. God's already proven it through the resurrection. First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout of the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we will always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Where is the hope of our day? Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Do we have an answer to give to people? Do we have a hope to ensure people that, Lord God, you are in complete and total control? (laughs) Of course we do. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 16. There the Bible says, For men swear by one greater than themselves, and with them an oath is given as confirmation is an end of every dispute. In the same way, God, desiring even more to show to the heirs the promise, the unchangeableness of his purpose, interposed with an oath, in order that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we may have strong encouragement, we who have fled for refuge in laying hold of the hope set before us. It is impossible for God. To lie. Hope must be transferred to this amazing faith, this trusting faith, this belief in God, this prayer to God that you know that God has already answered that prayer. The prayer to God that you know God has already, He already knows that you are going to bow down and make the prayer. To echo the words to heaven, to know that God has received our prayer, that God has heard our prayer, and that God has already answered our prayers. This hope that we have in Christ Jesus, verse 19, the hope, this hope, we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil. It is our anchor. It is a thing that we can hold on to. It's the only thing that we can hold on to. And God is holding the anchor. Brother, just don't let go of the rope. Right? 
You just hold on to God and let God hold on to you. And there God is watching us and blessing us and thrilling us and comforting us. His kindness is amazing. His loving kindness is everlasting from everlasting to everlasting to everlasting. And verse 20 says, Where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Lamentation chapter 3, and then, and then I'll let you go. I hope in God. I know that you hope in God. Maybe something is said to encourage you in your faith, to cause you to, uh, when you speak to your community, when you speak to the community in which we live, to cause you to encourage others, to strengthen them, to help them to find that true confidence, that love for God and that belief. Brethren, it's our responsibility, and this is our opportunity to present Christ alive and strong and well and eternal to a world that has lost its confidence in God and even in itself. When the Babylonians came through, uh, they devastated the land of Jerusalem. The Babylonians uh, came through, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, they came through and they just, I mean, it was a terrible, terrible situation. I mean, Israel brought it on themselves. They were so evil and so wicked, and God sent prophet after prophet after prophet to convince them to turn their lives around and to change, and they refused and would not listen. And Jeremiah, as he walked through the streets, through the city, he saw amazing, indescribable things. But those things that he could describe, he wrote in a book by way of inspiration. And he wrote the book of Lamentations. And the book of Lamentations is a lament. And so he's, if you will, tearful and, and, and struggling and looking around and wondering, will this ever end? God, can you ever preserve us? We're ruined. Are we lost forever? And then the man of God, which is what we are, children of God, rise up, look to heaven and look at things from the heavenly perspective, from the heavenly view, and then the words are echoed in verse 19. Remember, chapter 3 of Lamentation, Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and bitterness, surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to my mind. Therefore I have hope. And we sang this song, brethren, It's in the midst of devastation and travesty. And it's this. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases, for His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I have hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the person who seeks Him. It is good that He waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. Today you might sing that song. There is hope in Christ Jesus, our Lord, and we're going to wait on Him. Let's pray together. Magnificent and most awesome God in heaven, You, Lord God, are the keeper of all things. 
You hold the universe in the hollow of your hand. It's by the word of your power that all things hold together. And it's even by your word that you spoke the world into existence. And it's by your word that you have given to us, Lord God, that we have hope. As we look back and think about what you've revealed to us through history. As you read your word and we understand more about the Christ, your great son, who lived and died for us. Lord God, we pray that you will help us to have this great confidence in you. That you will increase our faith. That you will help our unbelief. And for those who are struggling, Lord God, for those who at this moment are sorrowful from loss, loss of loved ones, and this very difficult time, I pray, Lord God, for the comfort that comes only from you, that you would just keep us in the hollow of your hand, that you'll watch over us. And Lord God, we pray for the world that it's humbled itself to surrender to you. Thank you for this great opportunity to preach your word, to teach others about how wonderful you are, and to remember forever, Lord God, that you can never lie. These things we thank you for and pray in that wonderful name of Jesus Christ to be that will. Amen. God bless you.